Okay, so we're talking about we're going to talk about legend. The legend of Tarzan is the movie, and so we're going to play off that little uh, word legend. Okay, and I used to believe um, that everybody left a legend behind, a legacy of some kind. Uh, you either left a, a, a bad legend, a bad legacy behind. Uh, I'm, I, I really like history stuff, and I've been watching one, one uh, s series uh, here recently, and it's, uh, I, I saw last night a little bit more of it, and it's uh, the, the legend of Billy the Kid, the legend of Jesse James. They left legends, right? But not good legends. You know? And then there's people who leave good legends, like Tarzan. Okay, I know he's, that's fiction, right? But still, okay, he's our, he's our backdrop today, so we'll go ahead and say him too. And, and, and so I know there are people who leave bad legends behind. There are people who leave good legends behind. But you know what? Uh, I used to think everybody was one of those two, but there's a whole group of people. There's a whole group of people. There are some people right in the middle of that that they pass through life, they pass on without making one mark whatsoever on this earth. There are a lot of people like that. And I got, I got a little something to say about that a little bit later if you don't really believe me right now. I mean, but you just look around you and how many people, other than the, the name they may pass on, that, that's, a, that's about all they, all they live. Now, when I was uh, first felt called into ministry and praying about that and seeking God, and uh, that was not long after we had been married. So it been, you know, 30, 33 years ago, I guess it was. Uh, and, and when did I... I, I talked to God about it, and I asked him, ask him for two things. Now, I, the Scripture doesn't tell us we can bargain with God. It, it doesn't tell us, hey, bargain with God about you do this, he does that. No, you, you don't do that, but sometimes he allows you to do that. that but that's not what this was. This was, God, I'll, I, okay, I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do, go wherever you ask me to go. One of the things, I asked him for two things, and one of the things I asked him for is I said, God, everywhere I go, I want to make impact God just 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 help me make impact if if you leave this place today and there is not some mark on you because of something I have said or maybe something uh, Jamie or someone here has said or or, or something in a song or, or, or a prayer team member that you come forward to pray and and God has put something in their heart this week and and they were just waiting to see who it was that they get to share it with but just if you leave this room today and and there is not some mark on you for Jesus Christ that you've been with us over an hour and there's not some mark I will feel like a failure because I believe every time every time that I am I, I, I am addressing a crowd or that I am pastor in, in some means in some way I believe every time I am supposed to have impact and I don't believe I'm the only one I believe we're all supposed to have impact I believe we're all supposed to we're all supposed to leave our mark and not a mark that says Rick hand or or even church 2911 but a mark that says Jesus Christ that when we leave them when they have been with us they know something something is different something has changed L let me give you some names right here uh, do you know any, any of these people? Any of these people? Okay, I don't have time for you to help me preach my message, but does anybody recognize even one name up there? <laughs> any one name? Okay, so, so, so now you're looking up there and you say, okay, so these are a bunch of uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six guys who obviously didn't leave their mark, right? Because we don't even know what their names are. Listen, leaving your mark is not about leaving your name. There are a lot of people who have left their name. They didn't leave much of a mark. Or they left their name, but they left a bad mark in their name. 
not these guys. These guys left their mark. Uh, Louis Le Prince. Uh, Louis Le Prince, uh, in, in 1888, he had already designed a moving picture camera and a means of projecting it. That was several years before Thomas Edison uh, invented his camera that he is credited with, you know, inventing. And there, there have been uh, uh, court cases and battles over this, and, and evidence is actually there that there were two videos that were made in 1888 by Louis Le Prince before Thomas Edison. But Edison is the one that most people credit with it. Or Jean-Francois Pilatre de Roger, uh, he was actually the very first guy to leave the ground to fly. 120 years before Orville and Wilbur Wright flew their first plane, Jean-Francois Pilatre de Roger left the ground. But he did so in a hot air balloon, and so that's why people don't think about him as being so much the father of aviation as a bunch of, uh, as the Orville and Wilbur, 120 years later. But he was the first in a hot air balloon. He was, and that may not sound like a big deal to you, except for those of you who are really scared of heights. A hot air balloon does sound like a, probably a big deal to you. But he was the very first. Nobody had ever done that before. He was the first. And so he was learning things then, and, and which leads us to George Cayley, uh, an Englishman who, who uh, spent probably most of his life working on aerodynamics, that, that even in 1799 that uh, he had already figured out several things. And it was in 1853, so that's 54 years later, right? In 1853 when he first got a man on a glider and, and got him airborne and gliding. Okay, so now you, again you're saying, okay, well that was just a glider. But still, what he learned about draft and thrust, things that if you know anything about aerodynamics, you know, you've heard those two terms. He, he is one of the pioneers. He is really the one that learned these things and perfected them. And in his, early, in his late age, of eight, at 1853, um, that he was probably too old to try it out. And so he actually had somebody else actually on the plane. And, you know, that was 50 years 50 years before Orville and Wilbur, 1903. And you know what really they did? Is they stuck an engine on his glider, basically, right? And 50 years later, I mean, it took them 50 years to figure out how to put an engine on what he had already figured out and, and designed and developed. Uh, Antonio Mucci, now that's probably the most famous of the names up there of any of them, and we didn't recognize, I, I couldn't even remember his name, had to look it up uh, this week to, to try and remember his name. He created a, a voice transmitter. Okay, in 1871, created a voice transmitter that most people say was basically the telephone. He just didn't have somebody on the other end and a lot of other people around, you know, they could pick up the phone and talk to, okay? But he created a voice transmitter. Five years later, Elisha Gray filed for a patent for the very first telephone, but on the same day that Alexander Graham Bell did, too. And Alexander Graham Bell, of course, gets all the credit for it. But now historians, they, they've gone back and, and they say that Alexander Graham Bell actually stole a lot of ideas from Elisha Gray. That's, that, that there are reports that he actually even uh, bribed somebody in the patent office to let him look at, at Elisha Gray's uh, design. And then he changed his patent design to, to match some things there. And so he kind of, he got in there. Uh, so here, here's kind of the thought with this, is that if it, if it wasn't for people like Antonio Mucci, and Elisha Gray. Alexander Graham Bell may have not ever invented the telephone. And, and even if he had, he probably would not have done it th that early, but in 1876, but it probably would have done it several years later. Or maybe somebody else would have had to figure some of those things out. If it hadn't have been for them, there wouldn't have been somebody else to build on top of what they had done. A and then Warren De La Rue. Um, he was the very first guy to be successful at running an electric current through a wire filament 
in a vacuum sealed tube. Do you know what that is? That's, uh, yeah, for, for those, uh, uh, those shade tree scientists for, uh, back there, it's a light bulb, okay? And uh, the biggest problem he had was uh, uh, he, he, did, he was using platinum, and we couldn't afford platinum light bulbs, right? So, uh, you know, so that was his biggest problem. And, but he did this, and, and so he was the first person, as, as far as we know, scientifically speaking, he was the first person to actually be successful in making that light up like a light bulb. And he did it in 1840, seven years before Thomas Edison was even born. Now, Edison, maybe he perfected it, and he made it something that everybody could use and could afford because he used other materials. But this, this guy was the, the one before. Here's my point. It's not about leaving a name. It's about making a mark. And it's not about making a mark just so people can brag on you. It's about making a mark so that somebody else's life is better. And this is what God has called us to. He's not called us to just pass through life and to pass on. He has called us to make a mark. And every one of us, every one of us has the opportunity to write our legend. Now, I saw it again uh, the past couple of weeks, and you may, you may have heard this before. Uh, see it on church signs. You see it different places. You even heard it preached that God equips those he calls. You ever heard that before? That if he calls you, he will equip you. I, I, think, I think it's better to say it this way, that God calls those he has already equipped. Okay, so, so follow me in this, if you, if you will, for just a minute. Don't, don't get all upset with me just yet, all right? In Genesis chapter, here's something about the nature of God in Genesis chapter 1, okay? In his, about his creative nature. Okay, when, when, when God created in Genesis chapter 1, he starts creating the heavens and the earth, and, and then he starts filling the earth, you know, with the, with, with the plants and the animals, you know, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, starts creating all this. And every time he creates something, Scripture says he looks at it and declares it, it's good. Okay, every time, and he says it's good. Never does he say, I could have done a better job on that. You know, he, he says it was good. He looks at it. God looks at it. The one, the one who, who sees everything, and he says it is good. You know what he never did? He didn't step back and kind of look at those birds he created, and, and, you know, he created them to live in the nest way up in the trees above our head. He didn't look at them and say, and, and see them trying, struggling to climb the tree and get, you know, and say, you know, I should have given them some wings so they didn't have to climb with those little bitty bird legs that I gave them. God didn't have to back up and say, let me give them some wings so they can fly. No, when he created it, it was good. After he had filled the, the lakes and the oceans and the rivers and the seas with fish, he, he didn't step back and look at all the dead ones floating up to the top and say, oh, man, you know what? I probably should have given them gills or something so they could breathe under that water that I created them to live in. He didn't have to do that. You know why? This, this is part of the amazing awesomeness of God. That, have you ever, you ever seen a picture of the inside of a human body and how the body works? And that God just created it like that? He just took some, took some dirt and, and he put it and he breathed it and it became a living soul. You ever, this is the amazingness of the creative and the power and the, uh, the absolute knowledge of God, the omniscience of him to be able to do that. He didn't create the birds and then go back later and say, I got to fix that so that they can fly. He didn't create the fish. I got to go back and fix that so they can breathe under the water and, and, and quit all dying, you know, after just a couple of minutes in the water. He didn't have to do that. If that's God's creative nature, then in the same way, if that's the way he created all of nature, then why would we think that he would create you 
and say, you know what, I'm going to call you into the mission field, but I'm going to have to give you some passion for missions. Now, you know, when I was a kid, that's the way we were. I remember when I was a, uh, when I was a teenager, a lot of young guys about my age, were, they were scared to death. I mean, we would talk about this. I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever talked, but we would talk about it, scared to death that God was going to call us into the ministry. You know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to become preachers. We're going to have to leave our homes. You know, we're going to have to go. And, and I, I was scared of that too. Why? Scared, uh, nervous, apprehensive, not believing, you know, that we could actually do it. And you know what? Most of those guys who were scared of it, that said they were scared of it, they were the ones that got called into it. You know why? Because God was, he'd already put it inside of them, but they had this apprehension that I just don't know if I can do it. Listen, if I am right in what I'm saying right here, if I am right, then when God calls you to do something, he has already equipped you to do it. Now, that doesn't mean if he's called you to the mission field that you need to go buy a ticket and fly out this afternoon. But it means that you already have inside of you gifts and talents and a passion that God is ready for you to start developing and start learning and start growing. You don't have to change who you are to fulfill the destiny that God has created for you because God has already invested in you. When you were formed in your mother's womb, when all of your members, as Scripture says, was be, were being written, God was writing what your future would look like and what it would be like one day, and he has already given you with the things that you need to, to, to fulfill the, the purpose, the vision, and the destiny that he dreams can be awesome for you. But, and I know it's real easy for us to say, but, 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 but I just don't know. Or, or, and, and like I say, a lot of times, you know, we want to say, but you just don't know how bad I've been, Pastor. You don't know how many things I've done wrong. You don't know what kind of stuff I've done wrong. You just, if God has called you, he has already equipped you. You are already passionate enough about this. But you, know, you don't find people that are called to the mission field that somebody has to go buy their ticket, tie them up on them, and stick them on an airplane and send them out. If you find somebody that's called to the mission field, you cannot nail them down in the United States. They are going to leave this country because they are called to do it. God calls us to this. So let's talk a little bit about destiny. God calls us to these things, the things that he's already equipped us for. Your destiny will chase you. In the movie, Tarzan, uh, the, the movie picks up and he's already living in England. You know, he, his parents died in shipwreck, or right after the shipwreck in Africa. He was raised by the apes. He's uh, rescued, you know, as a man and as, after he's grown up. He gets back to England, uh, assumes his place in society as Lord of Greystoke over that family and over that household and all that kind of a thing. John Clayton, Lord of Greystoke. And so now this is who he is. He's married to Jane. You know the Metars and you, Jane? He's married to Jane. She's his wife. She's just lost a baby. In the movie, she's just lost a baby. She, uh, she was pregnant. She lost the baby. And so, you know, he, he doesn't really want to go back to being Tarzan. He doesn't want to, but his destiny will not leave him alone. Your destiny will chase you, doggedly chase you. It will be after you. You, you, will, you will either fulfill your destiny or you will be miserable. 
for, for Tarzan, it was the king of Belgium who, who asked him to come back, to go back to Africa. And then the prime minister of, of England, the, where he was a citizen, where Tarzan was now a citizen, as John Clayton, Lord of Greystoke, the prime minister was trying to, it was trying to sell him on it. I mean, it was a political sale, but it was, he was trying to sell him on going back and why it would be good for, for everybody involved and concerned. And then George Washington Williams, uh, he, he, he's twisting his arm. And, and finally, finally, you know, Tarzan says, okay, okay, I'll go back, but I'm going back on my terms. I'm going back as John Clayton. I'm not going back as Tarzan. I'm going back as John Clayton. And so he goes back, and, and when he's there, and I'm going to try to say all this without giving any spoilers in case any of you want to go see it. And uh, it is a, a great movie, whether you're a Tarzan fan or not. All right. And, and uh, when he gets there, you know, he's just kind of hanging out. I mean, he runs into some lions that have grown up now. He remember, he, and they remembered him when, when they were cubs. Maybe they smelled him or something. I don't know what it was, but, you know, he, he meets them. He, he meets the village where, uh, where Jane grew up. Her, her dad was her dad was a mission there and so she meet, he meets the, the villagers and they're all there and then all of a sudden the villain shows up Leon Rome and Rome shows up and 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 and, and here's here's what you need to understand about your destiny chasing you your destiny will chase you and when you are when you are ignoring your destiny and refusing to walk in your destiny and refusing to walk in the purpose for which you are gifted when you don't do that you're gonna be miserable and, and what, here's what's gonna happen it's still gonna show up but instead of showing up as blessings, what it's going to show up as, it's going to show up as those weeds because, because you've been ignoring the fact that you have destiny, that you have purpose, that you have calling. And so you're not paying attention to what is creeping in. And then, then the, the, the actual villains of your life, the battles of your life, they're going to show up because you've been ignoring what you're really called to do, who you really are. You've been ignoring that. You're trying to set it aside. You're saying, that's not who I am. I am not Tarzan anymore. I'm not that. And the villain shows up. Because his destiny was chasing him. And, and then Jane, his wife, she's kidnapped. And his destiny is chasing him. There in the jungle, she's kidnapped. I mean, it's about, there's about no, no, nothing left. It's, I mean, his, his, his destiny's chasing him. Nothing left to do except follow the destiny, right? The, the apes that raised him, they come under attack. The, almost the entire nation of able-bodied men that are there are being, are, are being uh, uh, captured and taken into slavery. Over and over and over, his destiny, and even Mbonga, the, uh, the, the, guy, the, the one guy in Africa who, who wants to destroy Tarzan more than anybody else, and I'm going to say this without, without a spoiler here, okay, but, but, but Tarzan even finds his destiny in, in a meeting with Mbonga and, and, and trying to bring some resolution to, to, to their feud that they've had going on for all of these years. Even in that, your destiny is going to dog you. It's going to chase you. It's going to be after you. And you are not going to be. And, and, and what happens is people start looking for satisfaction, looking for fulfillment, looking for happiness, you know, in all the wrong places. Why? Because they're running from their destiny. And they begin acting out in other ways, in ways that, that aren't, aren't really what fit them. And, and, and this is one of the big things I got from this movie. Is that, is that Tarzan, because he was running from it, more and more problems showed up. And they just kept showing up. Why? Because he was not in his destiny. And you, you have to accept your destiny. In, in the book of Numbers, chapter 23 and 24, is a really cool story about a, a man named Balaam. Balaam was, uh, by my estimation, obviously a prophet. Now, King Balak, uh, he, he hated Israel. He hated the nation of Israel. And he, he hired, was hiring Balaam 
to speak a curse. He wanted Balaam to ask God, the God of Israel. King Balak wanted Balaam, the prophet, to ask the God of Israel to curse his own people. And so he offered him a reward. He offered him money to do this. And in the book of Jude, we read there that, that Balaam ran after the prophet. He ra ran after the, the reward, that he wanted this. Okay, so, this, so Balaam wanted this. And so they go up on this mountain, and, and Balaam says, okay, let's build some altars. And they built some altars and sacrificed to God. And he asked God, said, what can I say against your people? And cool, cool thing, okay, okay, because Balaam really wants to, he wants the money. So he's ready to speak, God, let me speak a curse because they hadn't always followed you, right? Oh, come on, somebody listen to me here. Because some of you are thinking, man, I've messed up. I haven't always followed God like I should. And so maybe Balaam is saying, God, you know, you know they, there's some error down there in, in, the, in the nation of Israel. So let me speak a curse over them for you, and I can make this money, God. You know, maybe I don't even pay tithes on it, God, or whatever, you know. And, and so here's what he does is, is then he gets there, and he's ready to speak the curse, looking down into the valley over Israel, and he's ready to speak the curse, and he opens his mouth, and instead of a curse, God just fills his mouth with a blessing. Balak, king, he gets really mad. So I didn't call you here. I'm not paying you to give a, don't, don't bless them more than they're blessed. And so they go to another place. Same thing happens. He gets ready to speak the curse and God fills his mouth with a blessing. Balak's even more angry. They do it a third time. And he gets to, gets to the place and he gets ready to speak the curse. He opens his mouth and again, he speaks a blessing instead of a curse. And king Balak's beside himself. I, am pay, I ain't paying you for this. I'm paying you to speak a curse. And Balaam says, how can I curse whom God has not cursed? Somebody needs to hear that this morning. The reason you need to walk in your destiny is because if God is speaking blessing over you, there is no curse that can be spoken over you outside that can overcome the blessing that God is speaking over you. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We want the blessing over us. We want that part of the destiny, and many times we want that without embracing the part of the destiny where God uses us to then be a blessing to somebody else. It does not work that way. You have to, to embrace the blessing that God is calling on you. You have to embrace the blessing that God is calling you to be. And when you do that, then because this destiny thing is not a momentary thing. It's not an individual thing. It's not, a, it's not a, a thing for just right here, right now, right? This destiny thing of what God is dreaming can be in your life is an all-encompassing thing of the way he wants to work everything for you to be a blessing for others so that no curse can come against them and so that you can also be blessed so that no curse can come against you. You have to embrace the whole thing. You see, just because your destiny chases you, it does not mean that your destiny is on autopilot. Actually, it is not. You can lose. You can lose your destiny. You can lose your way in your destiny. It is not on autopilot. Let me, let me, let me give you a story right here. Two guys in the Bible. You know, there were two Sauls in the Bible, S-A-U-L. One in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. The difference between these two guys, though, has nothing to do with Old Testament, New Testament. It has to do with who they were. The first one was the king of Israel, the very first king of Israel. And, and, and what we find, the, the scripture, the one verse I wanted to bring to you right here, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 16, um, 31, verse 16, uh, 31, 6, uh, is about his death. He is in battle with, uh, with the Philistines, and he gets, 
he gets injured, and he asks, asks someone to, to run him through with a sword, kill me so that I don't just lay here until the Philistines come and they torture me and they tear my body and all that, just kill me. They won't do it. So Saul falls on his own sword. His armor bearer falls on his own sword. Remember Jonathan, David's really, really good friend. You ever heard about David and having a great friend, Jonathan? He's also killed in battle that day. As a matter of fact, what it says is, so Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and his troops all died together that same day. Who was this? This was the very first king of Israel. That when Israel started asking God, God, give us a king, God said, here's the man. And he sent Samuel over to anoint him. He and Samuel, the prophet, the, the, the prophet of God, went to anoint. The high priest went to anoint Saul to be the king of Israel, the very first king of Israel. And, 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 and he did all right there for a little while, but he lost his way. But in the New Testament, there's another man. Again, this is not about Old Testament, New Testament. It's just about two different men. The other story is about a man who was a Pharisee. If, if you've heard many sermons, you've heard about Pharisees and how they hated Jesus the religious folk of his day. He was one of them. And he was a little younger than Jesus, so he was really around more after Jesus. He, that was when his adult years were more in that, during that time. And so what we find Saul doing is Saul is after Jesus has died, resurrected, and gone back to heaven, we find Saul running around persecuting the church. He's having them arrested. He's having them thrown in jail. People that, that, that love Jesus, that are following Jesus, that are testifying in his name, that are preaching Jesus, he, he's having them thrown in jail. If you've, uh, if you've got kids in kids' church, then uh, you might have been hearing this story lately. Uh, our five-year-old grandson, Colin, he's just been, he's just just kind of getting wrapped up in this story of a man named Saul who was on his way to Damascus, as he says, and, and, uh, and, and God stops him. God blinds him. God stops him and speaks to him right here, Acts 26, 16. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. You are to tell the world what you have seen and what I will show you in the future. So here's what God has just said to, to this Saul. His name is going to become Paul, and we're going to hear about it in the rest of the New Testament. But when he saw God stops him, and he says, I am calling you, and he says, I'm calling you to tell everybody what you've already seen, and I am going to tell you some more things. I'm going to show you some more things in the future. It's not just what has been, but there's also a future. And so here's what we have. The difference in these two guys is that one thought his destiny was on autopilot. He thought, man, I've arrived. I am the king. I have servants waiting on me. I'll never work another day in my life. I'm going to have everything I want until I breathe my last breath, and then one of my sons is going to be king. Wasn't going to happen because his sons, he didn't know it, but they were going to die in battle because Saul thought his destiny was on autopilot. It's all done. It's all good. Stick my hands in my pocket, get me some sweet tea, get the remote, and sit down in the recliner because I got it figured out now. All my family's in church today. Hey, we finally got it together. We all got in church one, all, all one time, one day, or all my family is serving God. It's just, it's just like you get it all together, and then when you think it's on autopilot, that's when it starts falling apart because it's not on autopilot. You've always got something that is attacking, that is going after but then you've got this other guy, this other Saul, who was chasing Christians, who was beating Christians, throwing them in jail, causing them, some of them probably to even be put to death. And then God stops him and says, I have a destiny that's so much greater for you. And you know what happens to him? He ends up writing half of the New Testament. 
A lot of the stuff that we preach, a lot of the stuff that we quote, the stuff that we, that we claim in our prayers came right from some of that stuff that God says, what I will show you in the future. And he wrote it down so that you and I still have it today. And so we can claim it in our prayers, the power of God that God wants to give us. Half the New Testament is written by this psalm. So you, you know what we have? We have two Saul's who are passing. We got one Saul who started great, but he was headed down. And we've got another Saul who started at the bottom, persecuting God's own people, yet he was pushing to go the other way, and they passed. That's the difference. Here's the difference. Here it is. It's, it's, it's what direction you're headed in. Are you headed towards your destiny? Or you think, well, it's just, it's just pretty good right here, and it's just all right the way it is. Can I tell you something? There is a ton of unfulfilled purpose in every cemetery around this world. You and I walk around with unfulfilled purpose in our hands, in our hearts, in our beings every day. And many people are going to be like that, that middle crowd that I talked about at the very beginning of this message. They're not going to have any impact. They're going to die and carry their purpose to lay with them in the casket for eternity. I've purposed, I don't want to be that person. I don't, I don't, I want to have impact. I want to make a mark. And, you know, that's why, I, maybe, sometimes I, maybe sometimes I'm a little brash. Maybe sometimes, I, you know, because I say I'm not really the greatest counselor because, you know, I meet with you first time, tell you what to do. Next time I'm like, yeah, done the first thing. Yeah, come back to me when you do that. You know, it's like I want to make my mark. I can't make my mark if you're not willing to do your thing. Thank you, Jeff. He said it good last week. If I'm doing most of it for you, you're not getting anything done. I, I, I'm just enabling you to keep doing what you're... If I'm, if I'm building you up enough on Sunday so you can make it till next Sunday, I'm doing nothing but enabling you to just coast on autopilot. I want to challenge you to write your legend. Because it does not matter how many gifts you have. It does not matter how many talents you have. It does not matter how much passion there is inside of you if you never use it. If you put it on autopilot, you're going to lose it. It's going to slip away from you. So let's talk about the legend, right? I mean, I mean right? It does not matter. I think I just, I just quoted that one. The next slide is, the le yes, the legend. Make sure I'm staying online here. The legend. Tarzan, the legend. People loved him. When he got back to England and he was John Clayton, Lord of Greystoke, oh, they embraced him. Oh, he's, a, he's, a, he's that man, that, the, the, the hero, and they embraced him. And so you know what? When he got the invitation and the arm twisting and all that to go back to Africa, he was in no hurry to go back to Africa. His wife had just lost a baby. Let's just stay here. Let's just, let's just play the game. Let's just play the part. Lord, I'm Lord of Greystoke now. Everybody wants me to come and, you know, to their dinners and their banquets and speak. And people want, to, people want other people to know that, that I'm their friend. They know my name and I know their name. And, you know, he had a great, he was, he was a lot like that first Saul when he was in England. You know, that, that I've got it all made right now. It's on autopilot. Everything is good. Let's just float through it. I don't have to go back to Africa to prove anything. I've already proven who I am back in the past, right? I've already proven that. So I don't have anything to prove anymore. I'm just 
No, I'm going to be John Clayton. I'm just going to put the destiny on autopilot, and I can just coast the rest of the way. But when he finally agreed to go back to Africa, even though he said, I'll go back, but it's going to be on my terms. He basically says, I'm going back, but I'm going back as John Clayton. I'm not going to be Tarzan. I'm not going to put on the one cloth anymore. I'm not going back to be the ape man. I'm not going back to do those. Things. I'm not going to swing through the, through the jungle and, and hang on to the vines. I'm not going to talk to the animals or any of those kinds of things. I'm going back as John Clayton. On my terms, my destiny is set. It's on autopilot. I'm going to do that. And he goes back. And when he goes back, his destiny won't let him leave it there. His destiny won't, won't, won't let him. Because, he, you know, everybody's twisting his arm. Everybody's doing those things. But he gets back there, and when the villain shows up, the villain takes his wife and heads back into the jungle with her. And he wants to. And I know this is where some of you are. And come on, guys. Let's start with us guys, okay? God didn't make us head of our family so we could be the boss. God made us head of our family so we'd wake up first. Come on, guys. And when what happened was he, he took his wife and he headed into the jungle. And he wanted to just, he wanted to just coast and he wanted to just let, let things go easy and smooth. But you know what? When your wife has been kidnapped, it's time to become Tarzan again. I remember when this happened in the movie. Brent and I were watching it this week. I remember when this happened in the movie. I turned to him and I said, I said, wow, this is taken four in the jungle. I'm sorry if you're not a Liam Neeson fan. That just went right over your head. The taken movies, right? But it's like, here we go. This is going to be it. Because when your wife is taken hostage, when your wife is kidnapped, it's time to become Tarzan again. And some of you, you're looking at your, maybe, maybe it's not your wife that's happening to you. Maybe, maybe it's your kids. When your kids are being taken hostage, when your kids are having their, 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 their innocence taken by this, it's time to become Tarzan again. Come on, guys. It's time to throw off the, 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 turn off the autopilot and say, it's time for me to take control of this thing again. It's headed in the wrong direction. We need some men to shake it off again and to, to stir up that Tarzan spirit inside of them. We need some women Come on, wives. We need some women to, 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 get, to raise themselves up again and start praying the prayers over their husbands and praying the prayers over their families again. That when your family is under attack, it's time to be Tarzan again. Here's scripture for this in Esther. I don't know if you know the story. Some of you may not know the story of Esther, so let me just set it up just a little bit right here. Esther rose to the kingdom to be queen of the kingdom of Persia. And no one knew that she was a Jew. And the Jews were in danger of being exterminated, completely wiped out in one day because someone didn't like them. But he didn't know that the queen was actually a Jew also, an Israelite. And so Esther the queen, who has hidden her, her, her heritage to this point, her uncle comes to see her and talks to her, sends her messages and talks to her. And this is where we are in uh, verse 14 of chapter 4. He says, Esther, okay, the word Esther's not there, but he's already talking to her, okay? Esther, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. Hang on right here in just a second. Here's what he is saying. He's saying, by God. Now listen, some people use that almost like a swear term, right? By God. I'm not using it as a swear term. I am telling you what he is saying is, by God, relief is coming. 
Oh, somebody needs to hear that today. That you're in a battle, you're in a struggle, and you don't know how you're going to make it. By God, relief is coming. And if you don't do it, by God, relief is coming. If the person that you've been depending on doesn't do it, by God, relief is still coming. If, if you have been depending on your husband to be the man of God and he's not been it, let me tell you, lady, by God, relief can still come. Or, or if you've been dependent on your parents and, and they're not doing it, they're not living for God, I can tell you that by God, it's going to happen. And when it happens, though, if you are part of it, then you and your relatives are going to die. Because if you're not part of your destiny, remember that whole thing is wrapped up together. And by God, God is going to send deliverance and victory to some people sitting in this room and send deliverance to some people in your homes and send deliverance to some people that you work with and that you're, you're associated with and connected to in our communities. And he's going to send this. And if you aren't part of that, then you don't get to also be part of the destiny and the blessing that he wants to put in your life. You've got to take both of it. But then he concludes with the challenge. Who knows, Esther? Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? Some of you are facing battles that I can't even imagine. I sat with one of my best friends last Monday, and I just told him, I, I do not know how you get up every morning and face what you have to face. Some of you are facing stuff like this, and you're thinking, I just don't know if I've got another day in me, if I've got another prayer in me, if I've got another fight in me, but you, you hang on because, by God, relief is coming. It is coming, and who knows? It may look like you've, you've spent your very last bit of energy and you said your last prayer, but who knows if this is the moment that God has destined for you to be just such a time as this. Can I ask you to do me a favor? Would you join me at the front? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final thought, a final prayer, and a final song, and we'd love to have you join us if you can. We'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. If you can't stand, you're welcome to come sit on the front row with us, or if you need to just stay where you are, that's, that's, that's good too. We want, you to, we want you to be ministered to and comfortable there. Just before I give you one last little thought. See these people standing here in front of you? The prayer team, got that lanyard on. They've been, they've been thinking about you and praying about you this week. Anxious and ready. And listen, I'm praying with you. They are praying with you because some of you have sent prayer requests in or some of you have told me what you're dealing with. I'm praying with you over that. You know that? They're praying with you over that. And we would just like the opportunity to do that one-on-one. -on -one just like God calls us to do, to help you. Because you're, some of you are in battle, and you need that. And listen, if you, you can't come forward, if you'll raise your hand, make eye contact, one of these prayer team members, they'll come to you, okay, if you need them to, all right? So please just do that last thing right here. Not everybody has a global, reaching destiny like exposing slavery like Tarzan did, or Christine Kane, A21. You know, not everybody has that global reaching destiny like that, but everybody has something awesome to do for Jesus. And those people you touch, it will be just, and it will be just as impactful 
as something that is global for everybody else. Because that's their life. That's where they're living. That's where they're struggling. That's where they're battling. God has called us to reach them, bless them, help them, be there for them, to bring the destiny into their life, to, to, to bring the blessing into their life so that the curse stops. God's calling you to speak a blessing over somebody today, this week, so the curse stops. Imagine that by your words, you can speak blessing over somebody. And because of your words of him speaking blessing over them, the curse will have to stop. Imagine the power you have. And so here, here's, what, here's what I challenge you with. I, I, really, I, really, I really ask you, before you leave this room, I really wish you would get your smartphone out if you got a smartphone. If not, pen and paper, okay? Get your smartphone out. Make yourself a reminder for every morning this week to remind yourself that every day you are writing your legend. Every day you write your legend. And the days that you take off and say, I just don't really want to be the man of God I'm supposed to be today. I'm just going to take a break. I don't want to be the woman of God I'm supposed to be today. I'm just going to take a break. You're writing your legend. And, and, and it's going to be a weak chapter that day, isn't it? You're writing your legend. It's either going to fall apart or it's going to be a back. You're writing your legend. I really, I really challenge you. Would, you. would you follow me this week and do that? Would you this week remember? And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to remind you, but I'm going to ask you to remind yourself. Put it on your smartphone. I'm writing my legend today. For at least a week, remind yourself, I'm writing my legend today. Step up. Somebody is depending on you to be the legend. That God dreamed you could be.